Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey everybody, uh, good morning, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. I am Pastor Chris, as Scott said. Uh, glad that you're here today uh, in person. Those of you who are brand new today, you weren't able to be here uh, last weekend for our grand opening. How about our new space? Isn't that awesome over there or what? Uh, yeah, it really, really is. We had a great, great grand opening, open house. And uh, by the way, we have, an, we have an awesome worship team, don't we? These guys just... Uh, just so gifted, so talented, so humble, and so just uh, geared toward worshiping God. Not performers, but worshipers. And speaking of which, I want to let you know about something very exciting. Uh, we are having a night of worship. Just an extended night of worship and praise on Friday night, November the 19th, 7 p.m. here on our campus. Uh, and, and this is one of those services where it is not, it's not going to be online. It's in person only. And uh, we want to invite everybody to come and be a part of just a great, powerful night of worship. And uh, we will have child care uh, from birth through kindergarten. Everybody else is going to be in the room, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's just going to be a great night. Uh, the theme of that evening is peace. Peace. So, Today, we're not going to be talking about peace, but that is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, today, we are in week seven of uh, this series that we've been in on the fruit of the Spirit. And today, we're going to be talking about faithfulness. Faithfulness. So, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, you ought to have this memorized by now, right? In fact, why don't you just impress everyone with your great reading ability and read it out loud with me. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, here we go, let's do it. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness. What is it? How does it work? How do we get it? How do we sustain it? I want us to talk about uh, all of those things and more. And to answer those questions, today we are going to look at what Jesus says is one of the greatest, the greatest examples of faith there is. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. That's what he says. And it's not what you might expect. Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Follow along as I read. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go. Come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, 
He was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And when the officers returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Now, did you catch verse 9 there? Luke tells us that Jesus was amazed. Amazed at this this officer's faith, this centurion's faith. Some translations say uh, marveled, astonished. Now why? Why was Jesus amazed at this guy's faith? Probably several reasons. One, he was a Gentile. uh, But in addition to that, he was a Roman soldier. Uh, Some translations say centurion or officer, which meant that he was roughly responsible for about a hundred soldiers. Six centurions uh, compromised a Roman cohort, which meant that was 600 men. Ten cohorts made up a legion, which represented 6,000 men. Now we know that Jesus was familiar with these terms and understood these divisions because remember at his arrest at the Garden of Gethsemane, he indicated that he could call down what? You remember? Twelve legions of angels, right? 72,000 angels he could call down. Centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. Now these guys many times were, uh, were older, hardened soldiers who had experienced an awful lot of bloodshed and cruelty. Now, think about all that for just a moment. So at the beginning of the service, if I had asked you to come up with what you would think is the best example of faith that you could how many of you would have immediately thought of a hardened mercenary okay probably nobody right but jesus did jesus did that's who he zeroes in on as as an example for you and i to follow today so that's what i want us to talk about why you know i want us to see what we can learn about the kind of faith and faithfulness, right? That's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? It's one of the byproducts of the Holy Spirit living in your life, faithfulness. So I want us to look at what kind of faith and faithfulness amazes Jesus. If you're taking notes, number one, it begins, it all starts with simple trust. Simple trust. In verse 2, Luke tells us that this uh, officer had a servant that he highly valued, and uh, his servant had become sick to the point of death. But this officer had heard about Jesus, right? I mean, he probably heard some of his teaching, maybe. He definitely heard about some of the miracles that he'd heal people. So in his desperation, he sins for Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly what seek him now i want you to notice that that faith according to this verse it is connected to seeking god to seeking god now why is that important Well, because your faith, listen to this, it is only as good as its object. 
For example, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, well, you know, especially when things are going bad, well, you know, just have faith and uh, think good thoughts and, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. Or maybe, you know, on social media you'll see things like this. You know, if, if you feel like it today, you know, there's some, maybe something wrong going on in somebody's life, and they'll say, hey, if you feel like it, send some good vibes my way. Just send some good vibes. Are you serious? Really? I mean, come on, good vibes, good thoughts. I mean, just have faith. My question is this. Have faith in what? Have faith in who? I mean, simply having faith in faith. Simply sending good vibes. Listen, that's not going to work. Your faith is only as good as its object. Now, the centurion, you know, didn't just have faith that his servant would be better or send some good vibes, a little shout out, little good thoughts. No, his faith was directed toward Jesus. His servant was dying. You know, he'd heard about Jesus. So he sends some, some of the Jewish elders to go get him, to go get Jesus. Now, looking back at that verse from Hebrews, here's, here's the other thing about faith. You don't have to understand everything to exercise it. You don't have to understand it all to, to, to use it, to exercise it. You only have to know that without it, you can, you can never please God. You know, it, it's, it's faith that enables us, first of all, just to believe in God and then, and then to seek him. It's faith that enables us to know that, that God is good. In fact, that he promises to reward those who seek after him. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, well, Pastor Chris, that, that sounds so simple. You know, so then, so what is it then that keeps so many people from actually doing that? I, I can think of a couple of things. You know, I, I think one of the biggest is that I, I think it's the blindness that comes from our own pride. You know, human pride. You remember that time that Jesus was gathered around teaching and a lot of his followers were there? It was in Matthew 18. And he calls over just a little child. A little child. Calls him over and he says, he tells everybody. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I want you to circle, underline that phrase, become like little children. Now, does that mean that you can't be a Christian, you can't be a follower of Jesus and be highly intelligent and educated? No, of course not. You know, Jesus wasn't advocating um, childish thinking. But you know what he was advocating? Humility. You know, a, a humble, childlike trust, a childlike faith, a lack of cynicism. This childlike faith that, that, you know, God does exist, that He is real, and that He will reward those who earnestly seek Him. So that's the, th the first characteristic about faith that amazes Jesus. It's just this simple childlike trust number two it focuses on the needs of others it's always outward focus it, it focuses on the needs of other people now again the centurion sins for jesus not for himself right but to help and to heal 
this highly valued servant. Now, I need to point out here that in that day and time, I mean, that would never have happened. That was highly unlikely, highly unusual during Roman occupation. And that's what was happening here in Israel. Roman occupation. Slavery was commonplace, okay? Slaves were regarded as property. And in fact, under Roman law, um, a master, an officer, you know, he had the right actually to kill his slaves, especially, in fact, it was actually expected that he would do so if that slave ever became ill or injured to the point where they could no longer work. But apparently this officer cares, cares about his servant, cares about his slave, so much so that he sends for Jesus to heal him. Now, that does raise another interesting thought. You know, as, as I read through this passage, I think about the doctrine of vicarious faith. You might want to write that down. Vicarious faith. Ever heard of that? You know, many times when, we'll, when we're talking about um, Jesus' death on the cross, we sometimes refer to it as a vicarious atonement. In other words, Jesus submitted himself to the cross not for himself, but for you, for me. He, he died in our place, not, not for his. And so that, that's what the word vicarious means. It means acting, serving, doing for the benefit of someone else. And so vicarious faith is when one person's faith is used for the benefit of of others. You see, it was the faith of this officer on behalf of his servant that amazed Jesus. And the servant ends up the one, you know, is, is the one who ends up being completely healed. And yet, as far as we know, the servant never uttered a word himself to Jesus. I mean, you know, we, we'd expect this miracle to take place as a result of, you know, the servant, he, you know, hearing about Jesus, you know, running to him, you know, uh, asking Jesus to heal him. And there's all kinds of examples, right, in the Gospels of exactly that, of that happening. But in this particular case, that's not the way it worked. It was the faith of the centurion, the Roman officer, that acted as this catalyst for Jesus to heal him. So I think that raises an interesting question. You know, does Jesus ever honor or work through one person's faith on behalf of somebody else? I think he does. Apparently he does. I mean, do you remember the story of the, uh, the four friends in Luke chapter 5 who bring their paralyzed friend, remember this, to Jesus? Now, they, they go to where Jesus is, but they can't get to him because it's crowded. And so they, they go on top of the house, remember? And then they dig a hole, the house is packed, and they lower their friend right down in front of Jesus. And Luke tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. So question, whose faith is he talking about there? He's talking about the faith of the four friends. Now that's amazing to me. I'll give you another one. 2 Corinthians 1. Um, here in this passage, Paul is uh, testifying about uh, God delivering them 
uh, from hardship and despair, beyond their ability, he says, to endure. And then he says this in verse 10. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by what? Your prayers. Now you might say, Pastor Chris, explain that one. I can't. You say, so are you saying that if I have a friend or a family member who needs to be touched by the power of God, that maybe God might honor my faith as I pray for them? Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Word says. I mean, based on these examples and many others, it appears that sometimes that's how God moves. Listen, that's why, for example, we have a prayer team. You know, Pastor Scott mentioned that today, that you know, during the time of um, response, you can go back to our prayer and decision area. That's why we have them. That's why we believe in prayer. That's why, listen to this, that's why you should never, never lose hope as you are praying for someone. Don't give up. I mean, you, you know, as you read this story, isn't it awesome to think you know, uh, just how Jesus, you know, talked about this centurion, that, that Jesus might actually be so amazed at our faith and our trust that he might say, hey, I tell you the truth, I have not found such great faith in all of Charleston like I do through the, pray, the faithful prayer warriors at Coastal Community Church. Listen, sometimes you got to have faith on behalf of other people. So the kind of faith that amazes Jesus, the kind of faithfulness, it begins, it starts with simple childlike trust. It's always focused on the needs of other people. And then number three, it is accompanied by love and generosity. It's always accompanied by love and generosity. In fact, those two words go together, don't they? I mean, just so easily, love and generosity. You know, it's been said that you can, you can give without loving. But you can't truly love without giving. Look back at verses 4 and 5. After the, the officer had sent the Jewish elders to Jesus, we read, So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built the synagogue for us. Now again, that right there would have been, would have been weird. I mean, it would have been highly, highly unlikely and unusual. You see, the Jews and the Romans, they tolerated each other at best during this Roman occupation. At worst, the Jews regarded the Roman soldiers as Gentile dogs and instruments of, of Roman oppression. But we read here that this Roman officer not only loved the Jewish people in Capernaum, but in some capacity, he had actually helped them to build their own synagogue. Now, you know, most uh, Bible scholars don't think that Luke was implying that, you know, he financed it himself because few officers would have had, you know, that kind of money available to him. But it's possible that he and his soldiers somehow worked to help construct it. And what's equally cool is that the foundation of that very synagogue is still standing today in Capernaum. Isn't that cool? And this Roman officer, this centurion, helped to build that, helped to construct it in some way. 
And so the point that I'm making, I believe one of the points of this passage is that the generosity of this centurion did not produce his faith. It was his faith that produced his generosity. You see, love, a love for people, and a generosity with your stuff is always a byproduct of faith. So what's the application today, 2021, to you and me? Here it is. Listen, you can say all day long you believe. You know, you can, you can claim to be a Christian. You can talk about your church attendance. But is your faith producing a love for people? Is your faith producing a love for people and... A generosity with your time, your gifts, your talents, your money, your stuff. Listen, listen to Galatians 5, 6. This is interesting. The only thing that counts, do you hear that? The only thing that counts, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through what? Through what? Love. Love. So the kind of faith that amazes Jesus begins with a simple, childlike trust. It focuses on the needs of other people. It's evidenced through love, a love of people, generosity with your stuff, and number four, it always reflects an attitude of humility. An attitude of humility. Now again, we got these Jewish elders coming up to Jesus on behalf of the centurion, and they say, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our people and he helped build our synagogue. Now, I want you to compare that with the words of the officer himself in verses 6 and 7. Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy... Uh, to come and meet you. Now, the Jewish leaders said he was worthy, but he considers himself what? Unworthy. They praised him for building their house of worship, but he feels unworthy to have Jesus even come to his own home. Listen, strong faith, faithfulness, and great humility, they go hand in hand. Let me ask you, though, have you ever been like the, the Jews here in this story that, um, that thought somehow, you know, he deserved the blessing of God? I mean, maybe you find yourself, you, you said something like this before. I mean, listen, if he or she doesn't deserve it, wow, nobody does, right? Or maybe perhaps you've uh, you found yourself thinking that you deserve some sort of special favor from God, you know, some sort of move of God in your life because of either the good things that you've done or maybe because of the bad things you haven't done. I mean, I've had a number of people say to me when they were, you know, facing a really tough time, how? You know, how could God let this happen? Why is he doing this? I don't deserve this. And I'll be honest, I've thought things like that before. And, and what I'm really saying is, I deserve better than this. Do I? 
Do we? I mean, do any of us really deserve any of the blessings from God? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I am so thankful that God hasn't given me what I deserve. Because I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner who has violated the holiness of God countless times by my attitudes and my actions. And if I were to get what I deserve, I'd be looking at an eternity in hell. I've never done anything to somehow merit or place myself on the deserving end of God's grace, goodness, and forgiveness. And neither of you. Like the centurion, we're all undeserving. Now, you know, I know we know that, but I think sometimes we forget it and we kind of get caught up in, you know, obsessing over you know, the circumstances that we find ourselves in and, you know, how everything's going wrong and everything's wrong with our life. And I think we need to remember that every good thing we have or experience in this life, it is a gift from God. And that those gifts, those good gifts, they come as a result of His, His grace. In spite of the fact that we don't deserve it. And we haven't earned it. So the kind of faith that amazes Jesus begins with that simple childlike trust. It's always focused on the needs of other people. It's marked by a love for people, for others, and a generosity with our things. And it's humble. And then finally, number five, it rests on God's Word. It rests on the on the word of God. Look back at the, uh, the latter part of verse 7. You know, after getting word to Jesus, right, that he didn't consider himself to be worthy, you know, for Jesus to come and speak with him personally, he says this. Just say the word. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. So in other words, this Roman officer understood uh, the military chain of command. He understood authority. Okay, He understood that you know, the orders of your superior were always to be unquestionably obeyed right the commander didn't actually have to be present all he had to do was say the word give the order write the command right and it would happen so do you see what's taking place here the centurion recognized that jesus has all authority over sickness and disease. So all he had to do was say the word, give the order, and that would be enough. And so he fully understands that Jesus could heal by his word just as easily as he could through his, his touch. So this centurion exemplifies great faith in the word of Jesus. And that in turn amazes Jesus. Verse 9 tells us, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. 
I mean, that's a remarkable statement. You see, faith, listen to this, this is important. Our faith ultimately rests on God's Word. Not visible evidence. You know, the centurion said, I believe that you can heal my servant. Just say the Word. The skeptic says, I'll believe it when I see it. But faithfulness says, I'll believe it whether I can see it or not. I'll believe it whether I understand it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I like it or not, whether I feel like it or not. Just say the word. You know what? We need more believers today like this Roman officer. Just say the word, Christians. Just say the word, followers of Jesus. We need believers who are faithful and obedient regardless if they can see it. Regardless if they understand it. Regardless if they, if they agree with it or not. Regardless if they feel like it or not. We need people today who will say, Jesus, just say the word. Jesus, you said it, so that settles it. Just say the word. Now, guess what, everyone? You ready for this? He has. He has. He has said it. We know what he has said. He has said it in his word, the Bible. Listen, the Bible, God's holy word to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Listen to this. All Scripture, all Scripture, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people, that's you and me, to do every good work. Think just for a moment about some of the things that Jesus has said. Hey, this morning, we had a great example of it. Let's talk about it. Baptism. Baptism. God's Word says it. In fact, listen to this. Jesus Himself said it, and He did it as an example. That should settle it. What's your excuse? You don't agree with it? You don't feel like it? You know, you don't quite understand it? I don't care. God said it. Jesus did it. That settles it. Right? Just say the word. Tithing. Giving. Generosity. Well, you know, I don't feel like it. I don't quite understand it. Who cares? God said it. That should settle it. Just say the word. Serving. Loving. Reaching out. Inviting. Just say the word. He did. And by the way, faith is obeying God's word again even when you don't completely understand it, regardless if it makes sense to you? I mean, this is funny. Since when is you, um, you know, understanding it all? 
a prerequisite for obedience. Hebrews 11.8 says this, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Listen to this. He went without knowing where he was going. Now, the the setting for this story is that Abraham is living in the city of Ur of the Chaldees, and, and God says, hey, Abraham, you're 75 years old. While you're out there collecting Social Security, I want you to pack it all up, baby. Pack it all up, and I'm going to send you to a new land, a new country, a new adventure. And Abraham says, what's it called? And God says, I'll name it when you get there. Abraham says, how will I know when I get there? I'll tell you. Now let me ask you, would you go? Faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. At 75 years of age, Abraham starts out on the greatest adventure of this man's life. He becomes the father of a nation. And that's what it means to be faithful. To believe when you don't see it. To obey when you don't understand it. Just say the word. Back in 1989, it didn't make any sense at that time for me to, to move back to Charleston with no money, no support, no job, no large uh, you know, core group of people, and at the age of 21, start a church. But God said, do it. And we did. I asked my wife one time, uh, Janet, uh, can you ever think of a time when God told you to do something and you did it anyway, even though it didn't make any sense to you at the time? And she said, absolutely, when God said to marry you. So, <laughs> um, it worked out pretty good. It worked out pretty good. Um, being faithful, listen to this. Let's close with this. Being faithful is obeying when you can't see it, when you don't understand it, or you don't feel like it. God said it, so that settles it. I mean, as a kid, I mean, go back to that childlike faith. As a kid, did your parents ever tell you to do something you didn't want to do that didn't make any sense to you, but now, now you look back and you say, oh, now I see. Listen, that's the way God is with us. Faith is doing the right thing, even though in the moment it might seem absurd to you. So how about you? Are you faithful? Is this fruit growing in your life? It begins, it starts with simple childlike trust. It always focused on the needs of other people. And it's always marked by, by love, a love for people, and a generosity with all your stuff. It's humble. And it rests, it rests on the Word of God. Are you a just-say-the-word believer? You know, think about it. What has God said in His Word to do that you had not started doing yet? What has God said in His Word to stop doing that you're still doing? Just say the Word. You can't please God without faith. You can't come to Him without faith. You have to believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Here's the good news. The Bible also says if you'll seek Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. It starts with childlike faith. 
Have you placed your faith, your trust in God and His Word and what it says about Jesus? Listen, you can come home today. Scott was wearing that shirt this morning. It said, welcome home. God is ready to welcome you into his family today if you'll take that step of faith and believe what the word says about Jesus, that, he, that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to be that vicarious death for you and for me. Not for himself, but he died for you, for your sin, for mine. If you'll place your trust in him, he'll welcome you home. You can do it today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today we thank you for your eternal word. God, I pray that you would find us faithful, faithful believers, that this fruit would grow and flourish in in our lives, that, that we would be faithful people. And listen, if you're here today and you're ready to come home, you're ready to be welcomed home by God himself, listen, today, pour out your heart to God in a simple prayer, a simple childlike prayer of faith like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I admit it. I have blown it. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today, I believe that you have provided one through your Son, Jesus. I believe, as much as I know how, as much as I understand today, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he went to the cross for me, that he paid the penalty for my sin, and that he rose from the dead and he is alive. I believe that today, and for the rest of my life, God, I just want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me right now, forgiven and brand new. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.